Welcome to Dialogue Minnesota, conversations about the issues that matter to you. I'm Jim Dubois. Last week, we introduced you to a program at the University of Minnesota that provides experienced professionals with an opportunity to transition to a so-called encore career, often at a community-based nonprofit. The University of Minnesota's Advanced Careers Initiative, or UMAC, is the brainchild of Phyllis Moen, a McKnight Presidential Chair and Professor of Sociology. UMAC is a multi-generational learning experience where a group of late career professionals called Fellows team up with undergraduate students to work on a variety of challenges facing society. This is the second in a two-part series on UMAC. We sat down with UMAC founding director Moen and her colleague Kate Schaefers, UMAC's executive director, and a couple of the fellows and undergraduate students involved in the program at Moen's office on the U of M's Minneapolis campus. Moen is the author of the book Encore Adulthood, Boomers on the Edge of Risk, Renewal, and Purpose. She explains the growing trend for people in their 50s, 60s, and 70s to seek a new and more meaningful career direction. It's a new life stage, one which I find very interesting. You know, in the Middle Ages, we didn't really have childhood as a separate life stage. That occurred as we developed public schooling. And as we developed high school, we had this life stage called adolescence. So life stages are not fixed, but change all the time. Right now, a lot of scholars are talking about emerging adulthood, which is in the 20s to 30, where young people are not children or adolescents, but neither are they full-fledged adults in terms of owning a house, having often a good career job. This is a time of exploration. My point is that we have a second life stage coming around the 50s, 60s, and 70s, where people are beyond the career and family building years, but not yet to the frailties we associate with old age. This is a historic change, this space that's opening up between prime adulthood, or what was called prime adulthood, and old age impairments. And this is the bonus years of the new longevity. Moen and her colleague Kate Schaefers say UMAC began with a pilot group of 10 fellows in 2017. What we found is a real variety of the kinds of people who are interested in this, but they become a learning community, a community of trust, and they become lifelong friends, which was something that really surprised us. And so we got some support from the provost who thought this was a great idea to try this. And we really constructed it out of whole cloth. There exist programs like this in private universities like Stanford and Harvard and Notre Dame, but this is the first public university, and we're trying to democratize the program so we don't want to have the high costs those other places have. So we made this up literally as we went along. And our first pilot group helped us co-create. So they were pivotal in helping us look at what they needed. And so we we had a lot of good ideas because we looked at what Harvard and Stanford were doing. And we also blended some of the applied pieces that we 
had learned f- about from Encore.org and some of their fellowship programs. So what we did is we pulled together some structure, but our first group of 10 helped us co-create. Moen and her colleague Kate Schaefers explained the benefits of an intergenerational learning environment where the older fellows work with younger undergraduate students. This was a real surprise, is the importance of that intergenerational piece. We knew that the fellows would love being involved with undergrads, but what we didn't realize was that the undergrads appreciated it as well. In fact, many of those have created long-lasting bonds that continued well after the classes because it was a co-mentoring situation that uh, the fellows could help these undergrads with things like resumes, with coaching as to how to present yourself when you're looking for a job, and with just talking about life and sharing about life. In my class on the future of work and life in the 21st century, students ask the fellows, what was it like for you to put your life together, to have a career and a family, and how did you do it? And the Fellows were very thoughtful, saying maybe I wouldn't do it that same way again. And it just became a, a, a real special moment where they learn and value the experiences of one another. Did you detect any angst or anxiety on the part of the fellows or the students about interacting with someone who's not from the same generation? Angst isn't quite the right word. So it was interesting talking with one of the students who walked into the class and our fellows were there early for the first class. And so, you know, coming in and seeing people who looked like her parents' generation, she was confused, like, oh, she must have the wrong classroom. And talking to her about it, she said, well, then, you know, once she got past that and then realized, oh, they are here, they're learning with us, um, she found it to be a fascinating experience to have those conversations that matter with people who are of another generation. And as Phyllis said, people who have actually had work experience to talk about the future of work and life was really helpful to that dialogue. And the students appreciated that opportunity to have those conversations. And we have to realize that universities are one of the most age-segregated institutions in the world, that we really focus here on the 18 to 22 demographic. But increasingly, given the changes in technology, the uncertainty of career paths, People of all ages need to come back to campus and have experiences. So what we want to do is change the university. Think of the university of the future as truly lifelong learning. Schaefer's and Moen say the UMAC fellows come from a variety of professions and have diverse backgrounds. Their experiences and backgrounds vary, and we think that's one of the strengths of our initiative, is that we bring people from different disciplines and different areas where they have contributed to come together, and they're all learners. And so they're all coming together to form that learning community. And we certainly have a group of our fellows who are coming back wanting to make a career change. And they're at a point in their careers where they're ready to transition out of whatever work they're doing and maybe have some more flexibility in their lives so that they can take a little bit more of a risk to try something that is more aligned with how they want to live their life at this point, as well as the kind of work and the kind of contribution they want to have. So some of our fellows are looking at launching a whole nother career. So a you know eight to 10 year career. And so they're coming to us with wanting to get different experience, to use a career language rebrand 
plan themselves in a different way. Others of our fellows have stepped out of the workplace and now they're trying to figure out what is next for them. And they're looking for meaningful um, volunteer roles that they're looking at skill-based volunteering and connecting more with their communities. And I think too, some of our fellows are really looking for deepening their community connections. So we can accommodate a range of that. Some of our fellows are still working. Some of them have stepped out of the workplace. And I think our structure is flexible enough to accommodate different priorities. And there are different ages. We've had people from age 50 to 72, and it works. They're all, as I said, searching in this stage of life for their encores. We found a big focus, as I say in my book, about renewal. The people are concerned and want to think about who they are and what is their identity for this next stage. When we think about retirement, unlike other transitions, like the transition to parenthood, getting married, retirement is a transition from, not to. And what you, Mac, our fellowship program is trying to do is make it a transition to this next stage in your life, looking forward, not back, as to who I used to be, but who am I now? Jeff Buchanan is a UMAC fellow and a self-described lifelong learner. He tells us about his career prior to his acceptance to the UMAC program. In 1986, I believe, I started a firm, that uh, a consulting firm that worked with suppliers to retailers. It morphed into working mostly with suppliers to Target and kind of caught uh, that wave, which was very fortunate. So I ended up at, at the end of my career when I sold the business with I think 85 employees and really a lot of success. Buchanan says he was intrigued by the UMAC program. Well, I think at that point, you know, I'd sold my business. I'd served my time with the firm that purchased my company. And I said, well, okay, there was a story about UMAC. And I thought, well, this, this might be interesting. And I was also, I'm very keen on, I'm curious as an individual, so I was keen on learning about it. They interviewed me and for some reason they accepted me. <laughs> I asked Buchanan if it was difficult to walk away from his prior career. No, I had some time to uh, manage that. It was hard to walk away, but it wasn't as hard as I thought it might be because I'm always on to the next thing. I'm very curious and also interested in what's next now. And I really viewed the UMAC program as a way for me to discover that and also to give me some time and transition to leave the past in the past and to work on what's next. Well, I think the big thing was how, how to transition, um, the importance of letting go of things that don't really serve you, and how maybe difficult that is, but how necessary it is. So you have to develop a new community that suits where you're headed. Buchanan says working with the younger students was the highlight of the program. It was very gratifying. Uh, once I figured out what my role was in the classroom, uh, I was a student, but also a resource, I think, to to the younger students, just because of my experience. So it was terrific uh, for me. What would you tell others who might be interested in becoming a fellow? I'd say do it. It's, it's very valuable. You surprise yourself, and you will learn things that you didn't expect. Buchanan says he has great confidence in the future based upon his interactions with the undergraduate students. Oh, in a couple instances, I really learned how optimistic they are about the future. I think we've been told otherwise, and um, really that was energizing for me. 
gave me hope as well. I'm an optimistic person. You know, I was very pleased to see, I think our future is in good hands, in other words. Buchanan worked with undergraduate student Abrasha Ibrahimi, who by her own admission is not a typical college undergrad. Um, well, I'm also a lot older than the average student at the U. Um, I transferred to the U when I was 21 um, from a community college in Wisconsin, where my family's from. And um, I struggled to figure out what I wanted to do. I've never understood how people just find a path and stick with it. So um, I actually have a lot more work experience and um, that helped me. But when I came back to the U, I changed my entire degree. And when I did that, I explored different courses that I could take, um, which is when I came across the Grand Challenge courses at the U and then figuring out that I really wanted to kind of delve into three separate fields versus just one. I actually was really excited. I mean, I'm so like, I think the average age for the people who are in my classes are like 20, 21. I'm 27. So sometimes there is that um, miscommunication or anything I said would be um, condescending because I'm older. But working with uh, people who are coming from like careers that, you know, they're trying something new was actually really exciting for me because I realized that, you know, I don't have to do one thing until, like, I die. You know, I can change my mind. There is never a too late. Um, and actually being able to ask questions was really helpful. I mean, I worked for the UN Association. I've worked for a bank. I've worked for a coffee shop. I've tried everything. Not everything, but I've tried different backgrounds, I guess. And I've learned that I would rather keep learning something that I've never done before and push myself in that regard versus just learning some the one thing that I'm good at and continuing to do that. I definitely get bored easily, so I'd like to challenge myself. Yeah, I don't- I think that's yeah. our connection. <laughs> yes, try, try as many things as you can. I mean, it, why not? If you have the resources or the opportunities. Fellow Jeff Buchanan and undergraduate student Abrasha Ibrahimi say their experiences in the UMAC program give them hope that people from different generations with a diversity of ideological and political viewpoints can work together for the common good. Without question. And I think we get so um, swayed and influenced by the media outlets who are, are looking for the extremes rather than the middle and looking for uh, examples of discord rather than examples of when people are really working well together. So I think it's important to balance how you, you know, your outlook on, on the world. And I do, as I said before, I mean, I'm really impressed. I think our future is in good hands, whether it's with the Encore adults who are giving back and doing their share, but also with the uh, optimism and enthusiasm of the younger generation. Yeah, I mean, I've learned um, just through my experiences, um, my family actually immigrated to the U.S., so I've been in, like, both shoes where I've had my family have very extreme views on one end and then people in the U.S. have extreme views on the other. And I've honestly learned it's mostly out of fear, you know, and people prey on that. So instead of, like, I, when I was younger, I would respond in anger. I couldn't understand why people would be the way they were. I've learned now, especially as an adult, it's usually they're missing information or um, they've taken something and they're going off of what they want to believe. So I've learned to generally just ask questions and figure out why people think the way they do and maybe there's something I'm missing or I could do better because I don't think this is an end-all be-all. I mean, there's just so much room for opportunity to change this and I do see that happening. What I'm thinking about when you said what you did uh, is that... Uh great leaders ask great questions. 
I always have a lot of questions. Yeah, what's important? <laughs> Andy Taylor is another UMAC fellow. A medical doctor, Taylor says his love of teaching and being taught by his medical students, residents, and other faculty made UMAC's intergenerational learning environment particularly attractive to him. I was in uh, academic radiology. I've been in medicine uh, 40 years. And um, toward the end of my career, the last 20 years or so, uh, one of the things I really enjoyed when I got enough knowledge to be comfortable teaching was being with the residents. Uh, you know, they, they teach you things. They keep you on your toes. Oh, Dr. Taylor, you know, in an article you quoted was like 10 years ago. I just read a recent article that that's changed. And you go, okay. So the young people really, really help you stay young. Uh, they are the most idealistic that they will ever be in any part of life. They just have this optimism and idealism. And as we get a little older, at least, and I did, even in, in medicine, you can become a little jaded. So, you know, sitting there with a little pack of optimistic, idealistic energy is like a little IV of, you know, oxytocin. Great medical analogy. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you decide to pursue a fellowship with UMAC? So, um, I was uh, at the University of uh, Minnesota in the radiology department, and my position there uh, came to an end. And so I just happened to see, as I was told in April that it would be in the end in July, I happened to see on the website that there was this encore transition, four Fridays in a row, right? So it's the very first day. Kate is one of the very first speakers, and my wife is there, and I go, I don't know what that woman does, but I want to do that with her. That is the truth. And she was so bright and caring, and uh, she gave such a great advertisement for this, this encore. And since I like residents, so went up and talked to her afterwards, looked it up online, and I really decided that I thought it would be a, a great year because, you know, my retirement sort of caught me off guard. So that's how I got here. Was it difficult at all for you to walk away from your career uh, in the medical school and uh, pursue something entirely new? So all of my life, I had never done anything different than medicine. Uh, it just takes all of your time and all of your effort to try to keep up so you don't make mistakes that hurt people. So I never done, and I knew that in myself that when it came time to step aside. At the same time, though, I, I have... Confidence, I happen to be, even though I'm 67 years old, I think of myself as relatively young. I'm healthy. I still have a fire in my belly. I still can think. And I still want to make things uh, better in life. So I just needed a direction to go. I had no problem thinking that I can go on to do something. Taylor says his peers and family have supported his pursuit of an encore career through UMAC. First of all, I get a kick. I tell them I, I'm going back to college and I'm sitting with uh, uh, um, undergrads. Uh, my wife uh, loves it. She says it is the best thing that's ever happened. Uh, most of the my older peers say, oh, what is that? Maybe I'll think about doing that. So uh, it has met with... Um, uh, Maybe a little surprise at the beginning, but then it's like, wow, I wish I could do something like that when it gets to be my turn. 
So it's all been very positive. Taylor says UMAC has opened his eyes to new opportunities. Well, one thing is the next step demands that you look inward, and this year has allowed me to look inward, try to see what is really important to me. At the same time, it has given me different visions about what might be out there. Through the years, we have had numerous different vehicles, if you would, uh, about what you can do. So from you know a microscopic point of view, I, I lived in sort of the medical world, and I never really learned much about the social science world. And that has really opened me up to, wow, there's this whole world of research and doing great things uh, out there as well. What would you tell others who might be interested in a fellowship? I would say that if you have the time and the uh, ability to do it, it has been an honor and I feel so grateful that I could do this. If anybody could do this, no matter what they think, they should do it. If they have something that they're pretty happy with in the next step, I would say, well, if you are not really sure, this really gives you a, a whole palette uh, of views to look at to see if that's really what you want to do. This past year, Taylor worked with undergraduate student Max Peterson. I am currently studying for a technical writing and communication degree with a biology subplan. And medicine to me has been, um, it's, it's always been interesting. You know, I've, I've been through the healthcare system for 15 out of my 21 years. And um, I, I always remember being fascinated by, you know, whenever I went to the doctor, my blood pressure just always skyrocketed. And it wasn't really because of what anybody thought. It wasn't a white coat thing. It wasn't really anything like that. <laughs> it was more an interest in what was going on and, and, and the sheer excitements that resulted from be, being able to just step in and, and learn something new. Um, you know, ho hopefully, not necessarily under the best circumstances, but but something new. Um, and with that, I, I have actually found that it's paired very well with the two minors that I'm doing, pharmacology and linguistics. And they were two programs that I really have only just found about last year. I, I went in, I, I declared them, and um, I, I've honestly, they're decisions that I do not regret. Um, you know, the pharmacology being that's, that's a very important aspect of medicine, I think we'll, we'll see in the future. Um, as medicine becomes more personalized, we'll, we'll discover very many more unique pathways to, to attack and to, to work on new treatments. And linguistics, I've always loved words. I've always loved studying words. And I think by understanding these subtle little things that we never really think about in terms of how we understand language, but, you know, how they all come together... I think that could actually make somebody a better writer to, to convey a clear message um, with you know, as many semantics as possible, but in as few words as possible. So I, I need to break in here because Go, Max, go is, Max is selling himself short, right? I mean, <laughs> so he interviewed me a couple of months ago for a class project. And Max, you have to tell people about at the shooting range, you're doing this digital mechanistic thing. I mean... 
I don't understand it. But. That's um, that, that's actually an internship that I'm doing over the summer. It's um, actually nothing even related to the field that I'm doing. See, that's which, it. These, yeah, yeah, right. It's yeah. it's it's definitely interesting though to to get to get that alternate perspective to see t- technical writing in itself as a broad career. Um, so so um, what Andy was talking about, what I'm doing is it's a company called Advanced Training Systems uh, out in the suburbs, and what they do is they make electronic targets which can be used uh, for use of force training in the law enforcement world and in the military world. Um, so I think it's always nice to re- kind of reach out and get that alternate perspective. You know, sometimes when we realize how flexible the world is getting in terms of people's life course, in terms of people's careers, there are going to be fields that pop up that we won't even have had oversight or, or really been, have been able to predict uh, their rise. And so being able to adapt to that, being able to approach uh, new angles, being able to approach things that you may not have even seen before and uh, you know, come out with a project that you're proud of doing, uh, that you know will, will benefit people in some way, um, that, that I think is the most rewarding piece of uh, being able to go out and being able to, to work. But aren't you, I mean, you're, you're doing pharmacy and linguistics. Yes. But aren't you doing the digital piece? I mean, isn't this like a computer-based thing that you're um, doing? It could theoretically be computer-based, uh, uh, but um, I, I would like to take a class in computational linguistics or two, but I haven't gotten to that point yet. It's it's definitely okay. um, it's definitely a very complicated piece. There there's a lot of syntax. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of semantic meaning that constantly changes every single year. And um, the, those are mechanisms that we kind of have to be mindful of going into um, as, as we enter those fields. But once we do, they can be very rewarding. So this is my point. These kids are so much further ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I, there, there are some days, honestly, where I doubt that. <laughs> Peterson says working with Taylor and the other fellows has challenged him to think more creatively and flexibly about his future career path. So the funny thing about my major, I study technical writing. I do not intend to go into technical writing. I chose it more because it provides a good skill set, a good background that matched uh, what aptitudes that I had going in, as well as allowing me to grow in a technical field, grow in an area that I could uh, continue to build off of as time went on. So in terms of future prospects, what I'd like to do is I would like to actually go to, I'm, I'm thinking about the public health school here at the U of M, but um, to earn a master's in health administration and whether or not to double that with a JD or an MBA, I'm, I'm still thinking about that. Um, and the nice thing about it is it is an area where you'll be able to use plenty of writing. You know, healthcare law is a very complicated thing. Healthcare policy, even on the local level, is a very complicated thing. Um, as I've learned just talking to infusion nurses that I've had over the years. So um, I think it's something that you can continue to work off of, to build off of, but you know, you have to be open-minded and you have to be willing to be able to apply the skills that you've built to wherever you're called to apply those areas. Executive Director Kate Schaefers and Founding Director Phyllis Moen say people interested in becoming a UMAC Fellow should apply now for the 2019-2020 academic year. The first place would be visiting our website, and the address for that is z.umn.edu slash umac. So it's umac at the end of there. Or you could call. Yes, uh, or call. <laughs> and the number is? 612-624-3100. And Professor Moen and I are happy to talk with someone, answer questions. We can also connect people up with some of our former fellows who would also be happy to share their experiences. 
Phyllis Moen is the founding director of the University of Minnesota Advanced Careers Initiative. She's director of the Life Course Center, a McKnight presidential chair, and a professor of sociology. Professor Moen, thanks so much for joining us on Dialogue Minnesota. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Kate Schaefers is executive director of the University of Minnesota Advanced Careers Initiative. Dr. Schaefers, thanks so much for joining us on Dialogue Minnesota. Thank you so much. Dialogue Minnesota, conversations about the issues that matter to you. July 20th of this year marks the 50th anniversary of the Apollo moon landing mission. Leading up to that date, the University of Minnesota's Bell Museum is presenting a series of exhibits and events as part of its Year of Apollo, the Moon and Beyond celebration. We'll hear about it on the next Dialogue Minnesota. I'm Jim Dubois. Thanks for listening.